We've been looking at spiritual gifts this week. One final look next on Truth For Today. It's been a great week so far here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard as we have spent our time in chapter 12 of Romans focusing on spiritual gifts and who has what and for what purpose and how do we find out. We have one final look today as we take a look at the spiritual gifts and you. Romans chapter 12 verses 4 through 8 is where we find ourselves. Catch up with us, won't you? From Valley Bible Church here in Hercules with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Again, in Romans chapter 12, our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. If you have the gift of serving, and the word literally means table waiting. It's our word for deacon. I mean, how basic can you get? If you have the gift of picking up a chair, if you have the gift of waiting at a table, if you have the gift of uh, the most menial kind of service, if you've got it, this is the way, do it. Let me tell you, I've taught on spiritual gifts in the early days in this church, and everybody went around trying to find out their gift. And, you know, apostles and epistles, and uh, we, we, you know, an epistle is a child of an apostle, that kind of stuff. And prophets, and uh, it doesn't matter the name. I, I've, I've had more gifts that I've had to give up, so I don't have that gift, but I thought I did. And I really don't know what my gift is today. I know I've got one, but knowing the name of it doesn't make any difference. It says, are you using it? Just use it. Don't worry about naming it. Just, just, just function. How long have you been functioning in the body of Christ? 50 years? When did you get saved? 50 years ago. See, we get so many saints that uh, they're not functional because they're unhealthy. There's a, there's arthritis in them has set up, or atrophy. They're just frozen, and it's a tragedy because we need you in this sacred community to contribute. You'll be fulfilled, and we'll get something through you, through the grace of God. That you, There's something about community. I, I read uh, Four Loves by C.S. Lewis, and he said a remarkable thing. He said that he and J.R. Tolkien and a guy named Charles Smith and a few other great writers in Oxford would meet at a pub, and they had their little club that they met in, and uh, Charles Smith died. And Lewis says, I confess to my own indictment that I thought, in a way, good, I'm going to get more of token. I'm going to have him more to myself. And he said, you know what happened? He said, we met in that meeting and we found that with the absence of Charles Smith, one of those writers, we got less of each other because Charles brought out things about token and brought out things about other people that we missed once Charles died. And uh, I think of uh, the early days of this church especially, and Gary was one of these guys. There's a bunch of young guys we we ran together, the Fernandes boys, Frank, and different ones. We were always in a huddle after service. We were always looking at Scripture, and, and we could be in a meeting of his guys, cut lows, puns, uh, jokes, uh, who gets to speak for, I mean, it, the whole dynamics. But one would bring out something in the group so that I learned twice as much in a group setting as if I never had those men. 
And what we're doing today is so much solo flight Christianity. Men are dying for our good friend. And maybe women are too. And the soaps are filling the bill. But this dynamic of one another in your life. Somebody. And so he says, if you have a gift of serving, just don't, don't worry about the name. Serve. Uh, if you got the gift of teaching, teach. I mean, it, isn't that simple? If you got it, use it. If it is encouraging, we don't need any encouragement in the body, do we? Well, let him encourage. That was the great thing my doctor said. He said, I want to go out and encourage. And you encourage me. I said, wow. Quit charging so much. <laughs> but anyway, if, if it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. I, I mean, we need people to give. If it is leadership, lead. Do it diligently. If it is showing mercy, do it cheerfully. Uh, I remark on that. Well, you know what? I've been in the hospital. I know what it is to have nothing between me and help but a button. Can you imagine a person making hospital calls that was not cheerful? So why are you doing visitation? Well, I'm a manic depressive. And, and I'm really in the dumps. So I thought I'd just come see someone. Good night. Good. I need mercy. I don't need more depression. I mean, you've got to, I hope the mercy people are cheerful. So he said, if you've got a gift of mercy, go help people, but don't be depressed about it. Do it in the spirit of hilarity is the word. Do it cheerfully. Can you imagine? Set the bone with cheer. I find out no matter in my Christian life, and you ask this of yourself, anytime you've done something for the Lord and you're just doing it, I'm just amazed at the overwhelming joy, and you're not asking, is this a gift? You're just doing it. It needs to be done. Let's do it. I was at a youth camp as a kid, and we had a big preacher guy named Henry Shell that used to uh, be over us kids, and he was a great guy. He pastored in Sebastopol, and one day... Uh, he was telling, we were having a big cleanup of the grounds up at Alliance, and uh, he had the whistle, and he was the coach kind of guy, and uh, I was running around with another guy, and he said, okay, boys, get the rake and clean up this area, and, and I told my friend Michael, I said, oh, watch this. I said, that's not my gift. Man, he's a big guy. He came over, he got me by the shirt. He just grabbed me and lifted me up. I said, I'm going to tell you, I ain't worried about your gift. I said, rake. And, of course, Michael, we had a riot on it because we knew we'd do that. And get on and rake. Get, work on your gift later. That's a whole lot of things people need that are not even tied to your gift. Whether you got the gift of mercy, if you're so a little bit, they'll probably accuse you of it. But it doesn't matter if you got the gift. Have mercy anyway. Uh, just try encouraging somebody. Don't worry if you got the gift. Whatever you got, though, we, we're for one another. We belong to one another. I have a right to expect you to minister to me. And you have a right to expect me to minister to you, don't you? Now, if I come up to you today and say, well, well, let's say if we broke up, let's say, now just go up to somebody and just say, unleash your gift on me. Well, who knows? Especially, I, you gifted givers, please unleash it. But you know what? Let me tell you some things that are not gifts, but are community dynamics that you won't ever change. See, many people have notebooks full of notes who have never changed. Uh, they've taken notes on sermons because they're not in community. 
They won't go to a small group study. They won't serve. They just attend the church and they stay informed and miserable because they, they don't function. They, they've not said my body's available to function like this mercy project has designed us to function. And um, I'll give you some examples of the one another's that are not uh, gifts. Uh, Jesus said, I want you to love one another. Well, that's nice, but wait, wait, qualify it. How? He does this. He said, yeah, I want, you to, I want you to love one another. Well, what do you mean? What do you mean? I'm not into that gooey, sloppy agape. Uh, what's all that? I'm not all into, you know, feel, love. What do you mean? He said, oh, no, 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 wait. Here, this is what I mean. I want to show you, man, the full extent of how much I love you. I'm going to pour the water. I'm going to gird the towel. And I'm going to wash the feet of every man in the room that's going to fail me. Because every one of you is going to bail out on me tonight and say, I don't want to be identified with Christ. I want to save my neck first. I already know that. You'll all save your neck before you'll be loyal to me. I know that about you. But I love you anyway. And the way I want to show you my love, I want to worship your feet. The king wants to stoop. By the way, he says, I've left you an example to follow. Then he says, John 13, 34, I give you a new commandment. Not like Moses did in Leviticus 19, to love your neighbor as yourself. I'm switching that one. I want you to love like you've just seen me love. Stoop to serve. That's when we know you love. I know you love Christ. And by the way, serving in the body is serving Jesus Christ. Not this church. I'm serving Christ. I'm in Christ. This is where I'm made to function in Christ. What I'm doing is for Christ, not for a valley Bible or so. It's for Christ. I've gone to different churches in my journey, but I'm a Christian. I'm serving Christ, not just individual churches. Christ, the body is his. There's only one church. I want you to love in this community. Two, I like for you to show affection for one another in this community. And the most common one, we laugh a little bit. We could just trip over it, greet one another with a holy kiss. And you say, oh, blah, what's, man, I'm glad we don't do that. Well, what's the equivalent of that for our culture? Do we have any equivalent? Give you an example. Paul is saying goodbye to the elders in Acts 20. He says, I'm going to Jerusalem. I won't see you again. I pour my life into you. I'll see you. Wait, the American way, the cold, stoical way, like this. Well, we'll see you, Paul. It's good to have you. Have a good trip. I dare you to read Ephesians 20 in a sober moment and not be moved as I walk with him down to the beach. And as the great apostle to the, these were all worshipers of idols before Paul showed up. They were all going to hell. They were worshipers of fertility, worship of sex, the goddess Diana. They were worshipers of getting drunk. Bacchus had many idols. And this Jewish evangelist comes to town, preached them to Christ, and now he's on his way to his martyrdom. And all the elders go with him down to the beach, and they all weep at the beach. They can't stand. This man is not just a man. He's a brother, and it moves us deeply. One of the things that the conservative church lacks is divine emotions. 
because it's a cerebral church that only wants sermons and knowledge and scared to death of showing affection. That's why so many times I talk about my roots. They taught me the affections, not the conservative church. They were the huggers. They were the weepers. They were the ones that make a fuss. Oh, my lands. Every one of them felt like kin folks. Then I, the more I've gotten conservative church, I thought, what a cold bunch to be so right. What a cold bunch. Where's the burning heart and the affection that you feel like family? You know, I, I just imagine sometimes if I was going home to see my dad and he'd get me at the door, hi, son. Hi, son. Oh, no. Paul used to tell him, don't kiss me, dad. My lips are only for girls. There he is. He'll confess it. My dad said, I don't get permission to kiss my boys. I kiss them if I want them. When you father them, you get to smooch them. I don't want that. I had a prof in seminary, Laverne. Man, I was so moved by a class. Man, just, he, he was a marvelous teacher and just moved my heart. I, I was the only guy that sometimes would have a handkerchief out during the class. I'd be emotionally overwhelmed with the truths I was learning. And afterwards, I just went in the room and I was so overwhelmed. I, I, I said, Dr. Schaefer, I, I'm just so, and I just fell in his arms and started hugging him. And, it, and when, I, when I, I got through, it's like I said, are you done? Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm used to those folks I grew up with. Get in there. You know, he said, emotions are work of the flesh. I don't know about the flesh, but I'm overwhelmed. I got to run back to those Pentecostals and let me, let me get away with this. You conservatives get all nervous. The Bible said we need to be affectionate one toward another. Family love. Family love. Treat these women like sisters. Treat these gray-headed older women like mothers. Treat these men like brothers. Treat men like fathers. We are not IBM. We are in the body. We're the family of God. Born again. Mercy people. Mercy people. We love one another by the work of God. Man, I want to belong to a family, not somewhere where I could die and nobody would ever inquire. So affection. McGee said a handshake would do. I think you'd do a little bit more. But everybody's got their own safety. And men work on the men, leave the women alone. We'll let the women work on the women. We need to affirm one another. And it says this in 1210, honor one another above yourselves. Uh, be devoted to one another. Uh, people desperately need encouragement and affirmation. I was sharing in the first service that uh, I never will forget the people who God gave the grace to listen to me as a teenage boy that didn't know how to preach. And I was with one recently, a woman who lives in Concord, and uh, shares her youth leader, Ruth Mullins. Uh, this, and Ruth hears these tapes. Uh, Ruth, I can never pay the debt back to you, nor my sister, that uh, encouraged a stumbling terrible speaker, 15-year-old kid, just trying to serve God, didn't know how to preach, didn't know how to outline. I didn't know anything, but I loved Jesus, and I was willing to try. And I failed immensely so much. But they, they treat me like Billy Graham. They, they would just say, keep trying. Uh, God's hand is on you. I thought, boy, you must be desperate. No, no, no. God just helps us to affirm people. <laughs> affirm people. 
I think Gary was in Bible college and said, I love to affirm young preacher guys because I was one. And I just wanted someone to say, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe God can use you. I don't believe he saved you to be fruitless and ineffective. And every one of you that are his child, he didn't save you to be miserable. He didn't save you to just hear sermons or just to give offerings. He saved you to use you, to contribute, and us contribute to you, and we grow together. Not just to watch a few of us preachers. Man, we need you as bad as you think you, or you may not even think you need us, but I know I need you. I've always needed you. I didn't get to where I am because of my own hands. It's the hand of God through his people. The hand of God through his... You know, I ought to tell you a little homey story. Uh, when I was uh, 19, I was going to go uh, and preach in the state of Oklahoma. Just going to preach revivals because everybody, I thought I knew too many people here. And I just wanted to go out. And so I had my dad and then pull my little VW back to Oklahoma, drop me off at Tulsa. And I said, I'm just trust God to open doors for me to preach. And if he doesn't open any doors, if I have to ride home to my dad to give me gas money, I'll come back and start my next year of college. But I'm going to just see if God will do it. So I went back there. They dropped me off in Tulsa. Glad to get rid of me. And um, so I preached for an Indian there, uh, C.C. Wallace, a handsome, wonderful preacher. So I preached there. And uh, then I heard there was a little meeting going on in Sepulpa. That's right, Maxine. I, I went out to Sepulpa to a brush arbor meeting. And I was there. I'd always play my guitar, hoping to get revival meetings, we call them, hoping somebody recognized you. And uh, one day I went, just, uh, went to the, uh, kind of had like a barn there. This was a rustic campground. Bunch of preachers, they'd sit around in the afternoon. I'm the only California boy. They're all Oklahoma preachers. They don't know me from anybody. They, one guy said, who are you? I said, well, I'm a young guy from California. What are you doing here? I, I'm just looking for revival meetings, trying to, if I can book up my summer, I want to preach all summer. And uh, they said, what are you going to do? You got any meetings? I said, no, I just finished in Tulsa. They said, well, what are you going to do if you're going to get it? I said, I'm going home. I'm starting college. I'll be a sophomore next year. I'm going to college. And I said, that's it, huh? He said, yeah. And this one guy said, by the way, where are you, uh, where are you from? I said, uh, Richmond, California. He said, you know what? I just preached out there. Uh, I think it had been several months before or something like that. And he said, I preached in a little church out there. And he named the church. And he said, yeah. He said, you know what? I took my boys there and my wife and he said, it was in July, and we nearly froze to death. I said, no kidding. He said, yeah. And he said, there's a man in that church and his daughter that took us out for lunch. And that man and his daughter bought all my boys coats uh, because they were freezing. And then they gave us an offering, had us at their home for dinner, and they did all this and that. I said, well, did the gal play piano? He said, yeah. So was she black-headed? Yeah. Uh, was a man black? Yeah. I said, well, that's my dad and my sister. He said, oh, no, what was the name? I said, Howard. He said, yeah, that's who it was. My dad was the deacon. He was preaching that church, maybe going to try out. And they took in those boys. He said, boy, I pastor in Muskogee. He said, you coming home with me after this meeting? He said, you're going to be preaching in Muskogee? And he said, I'll take you over to Paris, Arkansas. I preached, I went to Seminole, Oklahoma, Paris, Arkansas. I preached all summer. I only had a week left, came home. Guess what? Because my sister and my dad bought three coats and paid my way to connect with the body. 
So you never know. You never know. Just help one another. Affirm one another. Encourage one another. Have you met any drooping saints? Hebrews says their knees are drooping in their hands. And just a word. My precious sister called. Been having health problems. Called the other day. Basically, Philip, I need a word. I need a word. I said, I've been there. Just a word. We just went to the throne together. And Jesus made a house visit. And he visited her house and brought the peace of God over her spirit. We need each other. When I've been in slumps, I call certain people. I call certain people. And I just, as soon as they answer, how are you doing? I'm doing lousy. I'm discouraged. I'm looking for a short bridge to jump off of. You have a word. Unleash it on me. One man, I was in the throes of a great trial, and he said, the fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord shall be delivered. And I wrote it down in Proverbs. I put the date. That was an arrow. I said, that's what I've been doing. I've been afraid of men. I'm going to trust God again. And he got me through. He got me through. We need each other. Not just the Bible, not just the Spirit, but living, breathing members of the body of Christ. Are you worth spit to this church? You're not if you don't function. If you don't, encourage, use whatever gifts you have, whatever opportunities, we desperately need you. I would just close by saying, Jesus said something that is haunting. Jesus said there was a time when he was thirsty, a time that he had no clothes, In a time, his stomach was growling because he was starving. There was a time he was sick. In a time, he was in prison. And he said, you visited me. There was a time he said, I was a stranger and you took me in. And the righteous asked, when, Lord? He said, when you did it to the least one of these saints, you did it to me. You know what you need in your life, every one of you? You need somebody of a different color and a different economic status than you, preferably worse off. So you can know how God has led them, taught them, kept them, and brought them, and delivered you from a monolithic view of it all. God is getting folks of all kinds of color, economics, and ethnicities. He's getting them along, and you need to know how God got them through. It will encourage you, and you won't get a single full, this is the way it is. This is the way God did me. God's got a million different ways with a million different people. And we need that cross-hybridization, as it were, to enrich our journey. It's why I love talking to older Christians. How did you make it through? How did you make it through? It's why I love African-American Christians, because I grew up in the same part of town in Richmond, and we were all struggling together. Their journey and their struggle was as bad as us Okies that were barely making it on the south side. Just folks that barely tried to get something to eat, and all we really had was God, Jesus, and our parents and our family, and the projects. And God had mercy on us. He saved us. Well, after spending the last few weeks here in the book of Romans, chapters 1 through 11, 
It's nice to get to chapter 12 and realize how we apply all of this theology the Apostle Paul is laying out for us, right? This is Truth For Today. You're listening to Pastor Phil Howard as we work our way through chapter 12 of Romans. Our series is called Living Sacrifice, Serving One Another. Now, speaking of serving one another, this radio broadcast really is a service provided by Truth For Today, but it's made available through your involvement directly. You see, this is a listener-supported ministry, and as you partner with us financially and prayerfully, basically what you're doing is you're serving one another. Not only do you serve us that we can continue the ministry here on KFAX, but it allows us to serve others with the gospel of Jesus Christ here on KFAX. So really, it is a marvelous way that we can serve one another as we link arms together to continue the ministry of Truth For Today. And as you do so, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift, and access to Take a Break. It's the weekly video devotional featuring our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. And again, that's for being a TFT sustainer. No gift is too small and no gift is too large. Consider that as you contact us. Again, you can reach us at valleybible.org and give securely online or call 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. A lot of other information, by the way, is found on our website, valleybible.org, who we are, what we believe, and ministry opportunities, and a chance to worship with us at Valley Bible Church, our service times, directions, and location. It's all there at valleybible.org, and we'd love to see you in person. If you do plan on visiting, let one of the ushers know you're invited by the radio broadcast. That would mean a great deal to us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.